Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports podcast. I'm Sandra Ardetta, CBS Sports lead NWSL writer, joined today by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and play-by-play announcer. We're always looking forward to these special edition episodes, and it is a special one today because we are also joined by a special guest, Karina LeBlanc, former Canadian women's national team goalkeeper, represented Canada at five World Cups, is a two-time Olympian and bronze medal winner and head of CONCACAF women's football since 2018. Karina, we're hyped to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm hyped to be here, man. I mean, it's one of those things when you're you're sitting there talking, I'm like, you're you're aging me. You know, I still tell my daughter, I'm like young. And you're like 17, 18 years. It's like, oh, that, that's an old woman right here. <laughs> that's an accomplished woman right there. That's an accomplished woman and the ceiling. Thanks, best friend. <laughs> the ceiling's not even anywhere close. There's still so much that you are accomplishing and continue to do. I can't wait to chat about it. This is, it's so lovely to have you here. I'm excited to be here. And Lisa, like we said before, based on our earlier conversation, we are best friends. So you know what? On a tough yeah. day, I'm just going to call you two and be like, hey, tough day, let's talk. You know, and then you guys will make me feel better or you all will make me feel better. You got to you got to hash it out sometimes. You know, it's it's one of those weeks. There's a lot going on in the world of of women's soccer. NWSL regular season action is is underway. We've got some mini tournaments that are taking place within this regular season featuring top flight clubs in NWSL and European sides as well. But let's zero in a little bit on some CONCACAF action. I think we got to take some time because we're here with a Canadian legend, y'all. So we got to take some time to zero in on Canada for a second. So you got, I got, I need you to hit us with it, Karina. Talk to me about Canada winning <laughs> Olympic gold. It is a huge accomplishment for you, you know, and the country and the women's national team. Talk to me about it. Walk, walk me through the emotions of that final of, of of watching this team get that gold medal. You know. I'm, I'm just going to politely take the CONCACAF hat off right now because, I mean, I'm supposed to be very neutral in that job. But I think everybody understands why it was just so special to watch this team of players come together, connect, and do what only they believed they could do. You know, it wasn't like the world was like, oh, watch out for Canada. They're going to win this Olympic gold. But Canada went in and they said, we want to change the color of this medal and we want to do it for the next generation. We want to do it for each other. And it just was, it was one of those things. I was up in Canada covering on TV and, you know, I was being all neutral and being an analyst. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Brazil came game happened and it was just dramatic and it's hard to be so neutral when it's so dramatic. 
And then it was Canada, USA. And, and I just remember this beautiful rivalry. I mean, you've heard both players talk about it. You've heard the Americans and the Canadians. It's just one of those things where, you know, like the Americans for us, Canadians were like that big brother that always beat us. And if we go back to 2012, when I had the, the pleasure of winning the medal, it was that, that big game and it was that deciding moment. As athletes, this is what you live for. You live for games like this where it's going to come down to the line. Everybody wants to win. Everybody's putting everything on the line. And it, whichever way it goes, it goes. But we all know in the past, it always went to the U.S. And for it to just that tie to turn and Jesse Fleming, little young Jesse Fleming, step up. And like that probably, like, I've never, like she, she went the right way. She read it personally, but it was just the perfect kick. And you know, as a goalkeeper, no matter, anytime there's a penalty kick, I'm the worst person to watch a game with. Because when there's a save, I'm like, yes! And everyone's like crying. And I'm like, you know, and then to go to Sweden, for it to come to penalty kicks, I think on air, I was losing my mind. And it was just one of those things where I was given the space to just be, you know, because it wasn't that like, there's a role that I needed to play. I was just able to watch and enjoy this moment. And I knew the game-changing moment of history that these women would have done in this country. And it was beautiful to be a part of it. And then putting back my CONCACAF hat on, it's exciting because it's like we have the World Cup champions and we have the Olympic champions. And what momentum and what excitement and all of this thing. So it was just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. Whatever hat I'm wearing, I'm so excited. And and I know for the U.S. players it was a tough loss, but then they won bronze. So it you know, for me, in terms of every hat I'm wearing, it's exciting. And um, I'm still kind of on a high from it. But, you know, how often does, you know, does your country win a gold medal? Like, never, ever. That is actually a fact. So there you go. No, it was think- really delightful to sort of see the, the podium at the end there with United States and, and Canada. And uh, it's nice to hear you say that you're still celebrating. I think that's one of those things that should always be celebrated the the canadians should be celebrating this for the rest of their lives quite frankly you know the the thing is is that so i was actually in canada which was rare for me because with concacaf i'm based in miami um but to walk the streets right and so yes i'm on the national broadcast so people will see me and remember but it was older women and men like and i say older like grandparents' age it was people our age, and now I'm pretending I'm your age. But it was young girls, right? This young girl came up to me, freaking out, crying, saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then the next thing came around, my mouth was like, I want to win gold for Canada. And you're like, Oof, there it is, right? Like, this is why these women and players play this game. It's because it's, it's for moments and that next generation to be like, I can do this. I want to believe it. And while that's been the mentality in the U.S., it hasn't necessarily been in Canada. So it was almost like, what a win. Like, this is why this team went out and did what they wanted to do, because it will forever change the conversation. And like you mentioned, heading into this Olympic tournament, it wasn't like all eyes on Canada. This is the year that they're going to win gold, which goes to show that young women, young athletes, young players everywhere that – you don't you can come out of the woodwork and win this not that canada did but you can be a, an underdog in any situation and come out on top which is well, so fabulous 
you know what, best friend, you're right. <laughs> but I was just saying, like, coming out of this pandemic, and I think this is one of the things we've highlighted, is we've all had our stories, right? We all know why this pandemic has been heavy. Everybody will have their story. You know, for me, I almost died. But in that moment, I was like, you know what, if I get extra time, I want to do things that matter and I want to have moments. And I think this is what the Olympics brought, is it brought moments to all of us where we, if we were the underdog, we felt seen. If we were the one with pressure, we understood it. Mental, like so many different things came out. But you look at both of our CONCACAF teams, and there's players that really inspire us as human beings, no matter your walk. And we all want that hope at this time because it's been a tough pandemic. But you look at what this team, both of these teams have done, and it's like, I think everyone can find somebody in their stories to connect to and feel inspired to be like, you know what, tomorrow I got you. I'm going to go out and I'm going to bring my Olympic medal with me within myself and just be like, yes, I'm going for gold or bronze or whatever it is. But you're going to bring that best version of yourself. And I think that's what was exciting about watching this Olympics. I think it's so important that you – you touched on that and you made that a point either because like these teams, CONCACAF or otherwise, are putting together these performances and having these type of moments in the midst of a pandemic. And I don't think that should be looked at or taken very lightly. Like that's huge. That's significant. It's a thing that so many of us um, in this timeline that we're living in, I don't think ever expected to, you know, be navigating ourselves through. And yet here we are doing it and then watching this Olympics finally happened after being, you know, postponed and then having everyone on the, the podium representing CONCACAF was just, it was delightful. It just sort of felt like a, a, a wonderful culmination of events to sort of be like, you did it. <laughs> like, and it's something to look back on and really sort of say, you know, there are going to pe be people who ask, get asked if it was worth it or going through this type of things. And a, a lot of these players are going to absolutely probably say Yes, <laughs> profoundly yes. Um, but yeah. looking at your role in terms of the leadership position that you're in as this head of CONCACAF women's football, let's start getting into this a little bit. For you personally, what does that mean? What is your day-to-day -day like? My day-to-day -day is never the same. Um, you know, it was interesting. I think as athletes, we always talk about like retirement being like the first death, right? So you're like, who am I? in this world like what what am I meant to do and I think consistently we hear from the players how you know we feel this responsibility to give back to the game the game that made us I mean nobody ever believes this but I used to be the shyest kid in the world you couldn't get me to talk yes I know now you can't get me to shut up but it was the sport that changed my life and I think all players who've gone through this we go through it and we're like you know what we almost don't want to leave the sport in, in, in all entirety. And sometimes you go into coaching and you go into whatever it is, but now there's this pathway to do so many other things, you know, and I think that's, what's the great thing about having a professional league or having positions like this is that we get to go back and like share our purpose and our passion and connect that. And so for me, this opportunity at CONCACAF wasn't anything that I dreamt of, but it was right there. And when I, when I got appointed to this position, it was one of those things of like, how can I change this conversation? How can I impact these 41 countries? And it can either be daunting or it can be exciting. And for me, it's been one of those things that with the leadership of Victor Montagliani, he was our president of Canada Soccer, I saw a leader that cared about the women's game and was like, you know what? 
what we did in Canada in terms of 2012 and 2015 and, and hosting a World Cup, let's do that throughout the region. Let's let this region know that, like, women's football, women's soccer belongs and we deserve to be here. So my day-to-day to answer your question is always different, whether it's on a call speaking to the general secretaries or the presidents of some countries, um, talking about development of the game, coming up with programs, get to connect with amazing individuals like you, or just like, you know, sometimes it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's not always peaches and rainbows and like, oh, my God, this is great. I love soccer because sometimes people aren't ready for the conversation, right? They don't understand the power of the game. And they don't understand that if you empower a young girl, you can empower a community. And this ends up changing everything down the line. But I think what we've been able to do at CONCACAF is highlight the stories, right? And almost in North America, sometimes we just see the stories that are relevant to us, the North America, like the Canada, the Mexico, and the U.S. But then to a young girl in Bermuda, Bahamas, when we when we develop this ecosystem that all of a sudden now they're going to play home games, that's massive. Because now we know what it's like to have our heroes and travel a bit and go see them. They never, they've never had that. And you look at a team like Jamaica, who just went to the last World Cup in 2019. That was massive. Because now in the Caribbean countries, young girls are like, wait, they look like me. I can do that. You know, and it just helps change the conversation. So, I mean, great question. I, I, I've just deviated completely. You've caught me at the end of the work day. But most importantly, I think my days are never the same, but that's what's exciting about it. You know, sometimes it's challenging conversations. But I think with the right team around me and, and the leadership of CONCACAF with Victor and Philippe, we're, 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 we're ready to do some big things. You mentioned how it, after you retired, it was almost like, what next? And now that you are in this administrative role and this role with CONCACAF where you have the power to change the future and change the way that people look at women's soccer, how much um, do you rely on your experience as a player at the highest level in your role now? Oh, massively. I think if I were to forget that experience, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm meant to be doing. You know, because I think in life, everything we've been through prepares us for the next. And if I were to just ignore myself as a player and just be the administrator or that role, it would be not doing justice to every single player that's played before me, but then not even looking at the next generation. And so sometimes my voice is louder than others. And sometimes it's, it's, it's players focused and players first, but that's how Victor Montagliani has wanted it. He's like, let's put the players first. What do they want? What do they want to experience? And I think as you see the women's game evolve, it's no longer, oh, women's football is the future. Women's football is here and it's now. And there's a voice in it, you know? So sometimes it's me just reiterating some of the voices of the players, but then also showing the power of this game has. And I think that's what's so exciting. You know, I've, I've looked at past episodes, which I did enjoy, by the way. And I think it's the players' voices are so powerful they are the game changers they are the ones that it's not about me sitting in a room and being like this is what we need to do it's like listen to what they're saying right don't you want more of these in your country and i think that's where it shifted because now the presidents of the general secretaries are like wait that's what i want and the parents wait if, if i put my child in soccer she'll be that confident let's sign her up wait my daughter could possibly go to the World Cup because now we have more World Cup slots, right? So there's so many different things in where 
the conversation has changed. And our objectives, our objectives were to build foundations, sustainable ones, grow participation, and change the perception. And I think when we put all those together, it aligns with FIFA strategy, but that's ours. And we use the players' voices, and this is where you know my past comes in and is helpful in some ways. I think that's when we start to shift that conversation of like, you know, we're a confederation of 41 members of associations or countries with 41 different realities. But we have one thing in common. We know that this game can change a young girl's life. And we see it over and over and over again. So that's the legacy that we need to leave, right? And like for me as a former player, what is my legacy? And I ask myself all this. My legacy is that I'm going to use my experience to try and help the conversation move forward. So to answer your question, I think I'm always thinking about the past player in me. I can't play in goal with a licking right now. Like, trust me, if you took a shot on me, I'd be like, that's a great shot. Good job. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so would, you, would you say that, you know, being a, being a former player was something that, you know, perhaps like motivated you to get involved with this actual side of the game in terms of, you know, working for and with CONCACAF, you know, because there's always that next step you know, post-career, what does it mean or how do you take that? So was this uh, just sort of a natural transgression for you, like the transition into this side of things? Did you just say, you know how I'm really going to change things? I got to get on that other side of the table. You know, the truth is, no, it wasn't. I think in life, and I always tell people this, like sometimes you have to have people see in yourself what you can't see in you. I knew for myself I wanted to stay in the game and impact the game, right? And I tried coaching, and I was like, this is great, but they just, I just didn't feel alive in it, right? And, and that's okay. But I think that's what's exciting is that because of that experience, now we want to create more pathways for players on all sides of the games, right? You can be a referee. You can be a coach. You can be administration. You can get into boards. You, and all these things, and I think this is what we're highlighting now. You can be a GM. You can be an owner. You can be a president. Like, there's so many opportunities for women in the game, we just have to give them the tools to be successful in that, right? And that's why I say I've leaned on so many people because it's been like I walked in and I hadn't said like, hey, I'm going to lead this way because I know all this and this is what we're going to do, right? And I remember one of the things is first, like, seek to understand before you want to be understood. So for me, it was like I did a lot of traveling and went around and, and let, let's not think like, I'm the first at CONCACAF. There was a lot of foundation before me, but it was understanding where it was. And then I had the space of taking that experience to really own in with all that CONCACAF had already done and the team that's around me and be like, where can we go from here? And that's where I think is exciting because it's been a combination of all the experience, all the past, all the success we've had in tournaments. And then what do we do on the development side? And that's why I say again, I have to tip my hat up to leadership of Victor and Philippe because they've really allowed like this space of like, where can we grow? And then allowed me the space to actually learn and, and, and grow in this role. And I think at the end of the day, I hope there's more of our former players or players right now being like, hey, I wanna do what she's doing, right? Because I think that's all a part of it. I mean, you ask all the players now, I mean, Carly Lloyd just announced her retirement, you know, Chris, like Christine Sinclair when she's like, I'm not, whoa, 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 I'm not announcing Christine's retirement here. Let's get that right. I was saying when Christine Sinclair is doing all these things, she's like, she talks about legacy and you want to leave the game better than when you came into it. For me, I want to, whenever I leave this job, 
so that it's there, but somebody else comes and does a better job and we continue to grow it step by step and we keep continuing to empower each other and, and give options for one another because at the end of the day, that's when we're really winning. The empowerment for young women and every female that wants to be involved at every single level of this game and of this sport. Um, CONCACAF and you are launching the We Belong initiative. Um, what is this initiative? What is the goal of this initiative that you can share with us? I think in the, at the end of the day, it's for us all to come together and be a voice in this conversation and this campaign or topic and say we belong here. Right. And it's not like in the moment, we're not trying to say like in an aggressive way that turns some people off. We're just trying to say, hey, you know what? With all due with, that, with everything that's going on, we belong here. Women's football, we're tired of hearing that we're a part of the future. Women's football is now. And we all, the three of us on this call and anybody listening, if you're a woman, you've had that moment where you felt you belonged, but someone tried to say, no, you didn't. Right. But we're here to say collectively, we are empowered by each other's stories. Collectively, we see each other. Collectively, we hear each other. And collectively, we are here to say that we belong. We belong to have our own fields. We belong to have our own tournaments. We belong to have our own space. And I think it's it's a conversation. It's not just for women, but it was interesting. We just had a call, even with CBS, and it was like, you know, speaking with the male counterparts. And we're like, do you connect to this? And they're like, yeah, because you know what? There's a reason why we wanted to air these games. There's a reason why we wanted to create the space. So it's not only women saying we belong, but it's, it's men in the space saying we belong as well. And then it can just go, the we belong aspect of things can go so much further. Black Lives Matter and everything. But I think it's a space where everybody needs to understand that their voice matters. And it's a, it's time that we all feel seen and heard. And I think when it comes to young girls and women playing this game or and all the players that play under the women's category, that we're all welcome and we all belong here. I like uh, I'm looking through the through our lens here and I love that Lisa's rocking the shirt. I will be rock, I will be rocking the shirt. I'm just unfortunately on the road right now and unable to to rock my shirt. So I'm hyped about it. It's a it's a wonderful initiative when we've been working behind the scenes with you guys to, to talk about the best ways to, to highlight this. It's been um, truly inspiring and motivating uh, to hear about everything coming out of, of the, we belong initiative. And uh, we, in our episodes, Karina, we check in with each other with a hydration break because we've been chatting it up. Okay. So we're going to take a quick hydration break. We're going to sip on some water and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into more. Of we belong. I'm going to eat my watermelon. There we go. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's a, that's a good way to hydrate. Watermelon. People... People sleep on watermelon, I swear. I swear. I was going to have some coconut water. I didn't know where to have my hydration break. My water is empty because I drink so much water. So I was like, watermelon in it. Stay, stay hydrated. Uh, CONCACAF W, launching the We Belong shirts. Uh, Karina, where where can fans, if they want to support this, where can they where can they participate and, and maybe snag one of these shirts? Well, the website's going to be live, CONCACAF W. Uh, this week, so there's there. Um, but follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, I think we're going to start this big campaign August 26, and, and I don't want to spoil any secrets, but it's 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 a it's a full movement. And I think this is what I think I'm most proud of of, of the team that came up with this is is that like I think you you both tell me I think everyone can connect to this. No, yeah. like yeah, everyone can connect to this. I mean. It's just that time where I think what we've learned about ourselves in this pandemic is that we all have a voice and we're actually on this earth for something. So let's live the life we're meant to live and be loud in the ways that we're meant to be loud. But do you guys connect with it? Hey, stop saying you guys. Do you all connect with it? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Karina doing the work. She said, stop it. You all. You know what? Yeah. I, uh, Again, having these conversations behind the scenes before we start producing the content, right, is really part of the journey, I think, for me uh, personally. Talking with Lisa when we're preparing episodes, you know, for a second, third or mapping out what's going to, you know, go up on the CBS sports side. It, it really is about a collect kind of a collective experience, quite frankly. And within that, there's all these great individual uh, stories and you know I love that somebody like you is involved in such an important position in, in CONCACAF right now because hearing you talk about it it resonates especially when you talk about the 41 countries I mean the experiences that we're going to hear about even directly from players from the United States you know are going to be completely different from those of the players who are going through soccer experiences somewhere else, whether it's like a Belize or Panama or so on and so forth. So it's just so important to have these types of initiatives in place because it's going to, it's going to be those reminders. There's going to be a lot of people who find themselves perhaps wanting to get involved or connect with some of these stories along the way and you know, learn some some new things for the first time. If they didn't know before, they're absolutely going to learn today and beyond. Um, so it's it's delightful. I love what's coming out of the We Belong initiative, and I can't wait to, to see more of it for sure. I agree with this initiative so much. I mean, and we belong in every aspect of the game on the administrative side, as a player, as a coach, as a GM, as an owner, as an official, um, as broadcasters and as media as well. There's so many layers to it. And there's so many stories of individuals that have done this and, and 
proven that we belong in every aspect of it. And uh, you mentioned your own story that got you to where you are today, Karina, and you even mentioned Christine Sinclair, Sink, a huge story. There are so many stories that CONCACAF celebrates that everyone needs to know about and all these individual stories of how people can get involved. Where can people find out more about CONCACAF initiatives and stories to follow and ways to get involved? Uh, people like us, like Sandra and I, who want to do more and want to say that we belong more. I mean, we are all over, <laughs> right? On social media, we have Instagram, CONCACAFW, we have CONCACAF uh, and Twitter, we have the website, which I'm saying, hopefully by the time it's aired, it's been clicked and launched. I think it's going to be right around the time um, of this, like by the end of this show. But I think the most important thing, and you've just raised so many important points right there, is that join us in this conversation. And I say us, as in three of us, as in North America, as in... And for those that don't know, CONCACAF is North America, Central America, and all the Caribbean countries. So that's what make up the 41 countries. But join us because it's, it's interesting because every article that's written, a young girl from Honduras may, see, may, may read that article or a young girl from Bahamas, right? And all of these conversations matter. And I think when we all sit here and, and sometimes people, because I always say like, we all have a unique greatness within ourselves, but for some reason in life, people will tell us that you shouldn't be great. You should be quiet. You should go in a little corner. You should know your place, right? But when it comes to women's football and women's soccer, our place is here. And everyone plays a role in that. You just talked about the, the game changers, Quinn, Sinclair, Lloyd. We, we, we know these names. But there's also young women in Guatemala, in, 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 in Curacao, that they matter too, but their stories aren't being told and their voices aren't being heard. And this is when we get to say, come on, we're doing this together. Here we go. And let's make our confederation be the best in the world at this, right? Because we have so many unique situations and circumstances, but we have so many powerful voices. And I think that's why I was so excited to, to get on here with you today is because I'm like, this is a platform with two incredible, powerful voices. And why is there not a little girl in another one of our countries watching this saying, that can be me. Let's do this. You know, so I just I just want to give kudos to the both of you, but also that whoever is listening to remind yourself that you're meant to do great things in this world. And greatness doesn't result in numbers. Greatness could be impacted one person. But to do that, I hope you guys aren't hearing all the alerts. <laughs> no, I'm just inspired. Yeah, I'm just oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, staring at me and I'm like, oh, are all these alerts? Click, click, click. No, no. <laughs> That's what my job is like. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just listening. I'm just taking it all in. I'm just like, man, like I really am going to need those. We really should schedule a weekly call. I'm going to need that, that Karina uh, motivation going on. <laughs> Listen, you're already living the life, you know, and, and I think this is the biggest thing. I love what I do, right? Every day is not like happiness because sometimes you're just pushing that envelope and people aren't comfortable with. But I think I'm living my purpose. And so are the two of you. So it's just challenging everyone who's listening to be like, what is your purpose? Start living your life with purpose. 
And if it is connected to women's football, go out there. Go out and get investors. Go out and pick, create a field where young girls can come play. Go out and have those hard conversations because this is the time, right? We've just gone through a difficult period in our life. And if you're going to get out of that difficultness, and I learned this from, from what I went through with, with my daughter. And for those who don't know, I, I, I had heart failure right after giving birth to my daughter. So um, I didn't know if I was going to be here today. And I promised myself to do things that mattered. And I don't think we all need that wake-up call to do things that matter. And I think women's football and women's soccer is what matters. So if there's a reason why you feel alive when listening to this, Go out and impact. And it doesn't need to be big, right? We have a platform, we're doing this, but like if there's somebody at home right now watching, being like, I love watching it, then make sure you tune in and watch every single day, right? Get those numbers up. And then if you want to go coach, go get a coaching license. You know, it's it's people always think it's so big to impact. You're wrong. Because we, the three of us, know the impact of this game. And the more girls that we can get playing the game, the more countries we can get playing at the highest level, the better it is for all of us. Tune in, watch games, talk about games with your friends and families, go to a game and scream your head off. There's so many ways. I mean, like you said, there's infinite amount of ways to get involved and and make a difference. And Karina, you have so much passion and and such a vision vision to make a difference for you what is your hope of the future of women's soccer and and women in football uh wow that's a great question i think it's i gotta come back to my why my 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 new why is obviously my baby girl right like if she chooses to play soccer i just want her path to not be as maybe hard as mine was you know, and I want her to be able to find a place where she can express herself and be free. And just, you know, I think the best part of playing the game, if you ever saw me play, I was always smiling. People are like, what's wrong with you? You know, I was never nervous for the big games because I'm like, listen, all that hard work, this is the reward. And I think my hope for the future in, in, in women's soccer and women's football is that we can create a place where more girls can go out and enjoy that freedom and, and, and enjoy, you know, it's not always about the World Cups and the Olympics. I mean, trust me, I feel very blessed to have played at that level and to win, you know, an Olympic medal for my country. But I think it's creating the opportunity for more women and girls in, in, in all of our countries that they can find themselves through this sport like I did. You know, and, and that sounds a little cheesy, but... You know, I, I mean, just think of what this world would be if if every girl had the opportunity to play and to experience what what we know to be true. I think we would have way more successful lives, <laughs> you know, because we know what women in executive positions do. We know that it adds values to the, the return on investment. We know that, you know, a girl will be more or less likely to, to be have different types of abuses if, if they play sport. We know the power of the sport, but then we really know what, you know, being on a team and being connected on something bigger than yourself means and how that sets you up in life. So, I mean, I think for me, the future of the sport is that we just have more access and opportunity for the sport throughout our entire confederation. And so that every girl can get the opportunity to play. And, and when you play, you feel awesome you know, and create those environments that 
women and young girls can feel awesome when they come to the field. You know, Karina, it really does sort of feel at times like we're we're living in a a very specific moment. It's a very transitional moment uh, for this side of the game. Um, and in terms of cultural norms, cultural shifts, other perceptions of, of women in football, um, how can that shift? What can fans, everyday fans do within this sport to try to shift those maybe prejudices that exist uh, within this side of the game? It's a great question you ask because I think we all play such a big role. You know, being a black woman, it was always one of the things when I remember my dad used to say to me, don't make the fact that you're a black woman be two strikes against you. So let people know who you are. And I think that's what it is. I think people need to be strong enough in owning their authentic self. And then for those who aren't able to be loudly themselves, I think it leans on other people to help them feel confident enough to own who they are. And that's how we change perceptions. We have the voices, we have the stories, you know, because you only know what you know. And I, I think I've seen this so many times and sitting down with some people and having some hard conversations that are hard for me too. And just be like, can we go towards this? And, and it's a beautiful place where you end up moving forward in a conversation because you were brave enough to have the conversation, you know? And you, you talk about this being a, an important time in the game, in the world. I think it's all of us putting our hand up and saying, you know what, I actually don't know. Instead of pretending and being like, oh, I know, and I'm going to own this. Hey, I don't know this. And I think that's what I've learned in my position is, hey, I don't know this. Who can help me learn more and be better? And I think that's where we can be in this in this world. And we can use the platform of this sport because the incredible players that represent our sport is unbelievable. You know, you look at the Olympics that just happened. You can look at the World Cup. Every story you hear is a story of overcoming something. You know, I remember standing on the podium in 2012, seeing our flag rise and crying the ugliest tears in my life. I wish somebody said cry gracefully. My hometown, there's a life-size poster and I'm like, but I remember looking at, at these women and being like, every woman here had been cut and had been told they weren't good enough. And what did that do? That created something inside of them that made them us connect on something bigger than ourselves. And I think every player today has that. And they are connected on something bigger than themselves because they want to make the game better by the time they're done. So in terms of the transition and everything, it's a beautiful space, but I think it's time for us to ask more questions and to keep telling more stories because it just takes somebody watching on TV or being online and be like, oh, I can't believe I'm like her. Oof. All of a sudden that person feels like somebody. And that's a powerful thing to feel like you're somebody and that you matter. And that's what our sport does. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because that was me. <laughs> you know, I'm not sitting here telling you anything I've read. It's it's my life. It's my reality. And I know so many players that I played with, it's their life and their reality. So how do we shift things? We keep giving the platforms to, to these players who have voices and who have experiences and ask them to be open and vulnerable and honest. And we see where that takes us. And people aren't going to always like it. But, I mean, you're never going to please everybody, you know? 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's so true and, and so right. But the ball keeps rolling for CONCACAF, for soccer. The Olympics are done. We have the World Cup coming up. Um, CONCACAF has a lot of things to juggle right now. And I know you're involved. You have your hand in all of them. Very impressive. Coming up on Friday of this week, um, towards the end of this week in August, what is happening with CONCACAF? There's a panel happening. Where can we watch it? Who's going to be there? I think you're involved. Can I watch you do some pretty cool things on this <laughs> on this panel? What's happening, Karina? Fill us in. Yeah, we have a wonderful panel coming up on Friday, um, and it's called The Business of Belonging, Women in Football, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time to 2.30. Uh, it'll start off with a one-on-one with our great president, Victor Montagliani, and I will be doing that interview. And what's exciting about that is that um, – I'm going to, I'm going to be just like I said to you, open, honest and vulnerable with him. And, and he's going to do the same thing back. We're going to start about how we cried in the locker room in 2012 when we won the Olympic medal. And I'm going to go there with him, but also you're going to see why I'm so passionate about what I do, because with his leadership, we're going to go where we've never gone. And we have a new ecosystem that's coming up where we'll double more than double the amount of games um, played throughout all 41 of our countries, we're going to get home games to some of our countries, a major investment. Then we'll have the next panel is the, is the football state of the union with Sarai Behrman, chief of women's football at FIFA, Sonia Fulford, who is a council member, uh, president of Turks and Caicos. Um, and then Mariana from who's the head of Liga MX in, in Feminil in over in Mexico, led by CBS, Marissa. And then we're going to have a winning formula, which is going to be another one-on-one with Bev Priestman. And I, 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 she was on vacation. She is on vacation. But I was like, can you do me this favor? And then we're going to dive into the business of football. And have, we have the CBO of Snap with Jeremy Gorman. Um, we have a CBS executive uh, with Dan, um, Jess from AFC. Um, and just talk about partnerships and how do we grow the game. And so – that's on Friday. I'm like going through my head. And then on Saturday, we have the draw, which will be the World Cup, the road to the World Cup draw. So teams will then figure out who they're going to play, when they're going to play. Um, I know it's in November this year it starts. And that's exciting because I remember being a part of a draw and just be like, who are we going to play? We always never wanted to be in the same pool as the U.S. That was our big thing. But, you know, that's exciting. And then, yeah, we just have, you know, a bunch of a couple other things. So people need to tune in. Let's go. Let's make sure that they tune into all of this great stuff. I can't. I can't believe the week that we're having. Tell me I about forgot, it. I forgot to say where you should tune in. I was going to say Can you, you tell me about that? it some more, Karina, because like, the people need to know where to go. This is like the one part that was written down, and I haven't read it. <laughs> no, tell them where to go, Karina. Me, Concacaf Go, which is our app. So download that. Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, you can see that live there. And we're going to be sharing the multiple channels, including all of yours. Um, that's on Saturday. And then on Friday, um, go to our website because we need people to show up for this conversation, right? So the panels that we talked about, it's going to be interactive. We could have just recorded it and decided not to. Um, so the joys of a live panel, cheers. Woo! Um, I'll sleep on Sunday, but yeah, so please tune in, sign up. I think we're going to put a links on CBS as well and let's do this. Let's do it. Let's get into CONCACAF. We belong. Second, third belongs. I'm putting it here on record. 
we do belong. Uh, it's so funny to think about how when we first started off uh, this podcast and we were doing all the work to to build up and kind of make it come to life. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about, you know, was in our trailer. We said it in our trailer that the beautiful art, the beautiful game is our game. And it is. And we belong. And uh, if you're listening to this and you're motivated by what you've heard today or inspired by what you've heard today, you belong to. So, Karina, thank you so much for joining us today. I I can't wait to have you back. I'm putting it out here now. I want to have you back with us on attacking third because I think there's going to be more to talk about. There's going to be there's going to be what comes out of the panel. There's going to be what comes out of that draw. And I think uh, we got to have you back to to wrap it up and chop it up some more with all of that. So thank you so much uh, for being here with us today. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining uh, joining us today on Attacking Third. A quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you find your, your podcast show. You can leave us a five-star review. and uh, Leave us a five-star review with a question, and we might answer it on one of our segments. And uh, we're also available as videos, so go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And we'll be back with another episode to preview NWSL action, maybe recap some other uh, women's soccer action happening across across the globe, as always. So thank you and stay tuned. For Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Karina LeBlanc, this was Attacking Third. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.